Nehemiah, please, and if you open your Bibles to the middle, it'll be probably Psalms or Proverbs, and if you go three books toward the front, it'll be Nehemiah. Two things while you're, uh, while you're finding that, this coming Saturday is, is uh, Veterans Day, and so I want to take an opportunity on behalf of our church to say thank you to both our veterans and to our active uh, servicemen and servicewomen and to their, to their families. Thank you for your service. Also, this Wednesday, uh, we're hosting our friends from Temple B'nai Shalom at 545 in the uh, family room downstairs, previously known as the Fellowship Hall. At 545, uh, the program will begin, run till 630. You're welcome to come have supper with us, but we're all, we'll, we'll begin at 545. I'm going to ask the, the rabbi some questions. We're going to read Hebrew Scripture together, and I think it'll be a, a good day good for us to be good, good neighbors to our Jewish friends. In uh, Nehemiah uh, chapter 1, it tells the story of uh, the, 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 destru- the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem. I want us to skip to chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. These are the words that will prompt our message today. Nehemiah has heard about what was going on. I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but he calls the people in Jerusalem together, and this is what he said, then I said to them, This is Nehemiah. You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told the people about the gracious hand of God, of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. October 7, 2023 was not the first day that, uh, that Israel has seen people come in from the outside and destroy and kill and take captive. In 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army marched into Jerusalem. They destroyed the city. Uh, killed a lot of people and took many of the survivors hostage back into Babylon, present-day Iraq. And then 50 years later, God granted to them their prayer and fulfilled His promise, and they were able to return to Jerusalem. And when they got there, they found the place in ruins, and they began to share that word wherever they could. And it reached the ears of Nehemiah. He was living in Persia, working for the king, Persia, present-day Iran, and and when he heard about the, the situation in Jerusalem, his heart broke, and he asked the king to go. He felt this prompting, this calling to go and to rebuild. And when he got there, he, certain for, he sure enough found the walls were in disrepair. And that, that's a big deal in, in ancient cities. The walls are really important for protection. So he called the people together, and he said, we can't let this holy city of our mothers and fathers remain in disgrace. We must rebuild. And he, he gave a speech that a college football coach would be proud of. And they all stood, and they said, let us rebuild and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, they did. But it wasn't easy. There was, uh, there was criticism from Tobiah and Sanballat and others, and there was internal wrangling. Everybody didn't get along, and there was always the threat of, of attack from an outside enemy. But they rebuilt. 
There's a message there for all of you who need something that, that needs rebuilding. It might be your credit score. It might be your reputation. It might be your marriage. It might be your career. It, it, might, be, it might be something that I can't even imagine that, that has, is broken and, and needs rebuilding. The, the message from this story is that God's power and grace are sufficient for the rebuilding of lives. But I want to apply today this story of the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the rebuilding of First Baptist Church of Huntsville. Let's talk about our rebuilding. On March the 8th, I stood right here with a bunch of kids, March the 8th of 2020. And we, they were stretched out across here, and they held up numbers. You might remember that. We, it was the, the day we, we announced our pledges for our Generations campaign to build and renovate space for our children. And our, our goal was $7 million, and, um, but churches don't always reach their goals in pledges, but we turned over, those kids turned over $8,300,000. It's unheard of. When we turned the page from February 2020 to March 2020, our church was on a roll. We were blowing and going, hopping and popping. We were re our trajectory was beautifully upward. We, the participation, the worship, our impact on the community. Man, it was, at least in the years that I've been here, it was probably the apex, at least for me. That was March 8, 2020. March 10, 2020 was Tuesday. I wrote my article, came out for the newsletter, and it said, what can I, the title was, uh, what can I say? And I said, amazing, and thank God, and way to go, and for meeting or surpassing our goal. That was March 10, 2020. My column for, or article for March 17, 2020, seven days later was, we're closing down. It was COVID. We met on the 18th and celebrated. We met on the 15th rather tentatively and a little bit frightened, and then we closed down after that. We, we were closed for several weeks, Bible Sunday morning Bible study and worship, no church-wide gatherings. We, we tried to come back. Remember, we thought we could come back safely, and we did for a little while, and we were social distanced, and we didn't sing, and we were masked, and, and then we shut down again, and it was all messy. 2020 was a hard year. And then, of course, compounded by the, the tension, the national tension over a divisive presidential election and the racial tension after the murders of George, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and others. And it, it was just a hard year. And 2020 was hardest. Uh, the, the, the part of 2020 that was hardest on churches was the coronavirus. It just was almost devastating. I don't want to compare it to you know, Babylonians coming in and killing people and burning the city, but, but 2020, especially COVID, was, was awfully hard on us. And it set us back, as well as every church that, that I know. And now we are, we are rebuilding. Let me give you some, what I think would be, will be some encouraging uh, pieces of information. First, some metrics. Now, let me say that the, the numbers I'm going to give you, the metrics don't 
reflect the effectiveness of a church, our effectiveness is measured by what we do beyond our walls. But these numbers are not unimportant. These numbers come from our church year. Our church year goes from October 1 through September 30. So this is October 1, 2022 through September 30, 2023, the church year. So we lost, we lost 53 members uh, to death in that church year. We lost a number of others whose age and health had reached the place that they are no longer able to participate in person. We lost people who went to other churches, some locally, most of them were where they moved to new places. We lost people who simply moved following their jobs or their grandchildren. Church attendance, the, the frequency of church attendance plummeted after COVID, which means y'all just don't come to church as much as you used to. It's, it's a national trend. So you would hear those numbers and you would think, well, well, that was a rough year. And it was in many ways. But it was actually a very good year. 126 people decided to join our church in the years, that, that church year from October 1 through September 30. 126 said, we will join hands and hearts with you. We'll plant our lives among you. 126 people. Our Sunday morning Bible study increased by 81, Sunday school 81 over the previous year. Our worship attendance increased by 95 over the church year. And it's even better if you look at the summer months. So the summer of 23 compared to the summer of 22, we had 142 more than we did in the summer of 22, all of which is really, really, really good news. And financially, you've always been so faithful. So over the, this past church year, as compared to the previous church year, you gave uh, more than $200,000 more. You increased your giving by more than $200,000, all of which, now, now I know there are a lot of mega churches, super large churches that wouldn't think that's impressive, but it's impressive to me and it's really impressive, it's really encouraging to me that we are in fact, rebuilding. There is a number, oh, well, very well, let me talk about TV Church and Sanctuary Broadcast quickly. So, TV Church, you know, that airs at uh, 10 o'clock on Way 31. It's a 30-minute program, about a 17-minute version of this message with um, music video, an interview with local people geared toward people who don't know church culture. Then there are 8,000 people who watch that every week. We get the, we get the numbers from the station, 8,000 people. This broadcast, 1030 to 1130 on uh, WHNT, 18,500 people watch this every, every week. I'm looking around, I think that's more than are in the, than are in the room. <laughs> Those are great tools. The AV team does such a marvelous job, and your impact is across North Alabama. I want to talk about young adults. About, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, we started looking around, eight or nine years ago, started looking around and realized that um, three things. One, young adults need the church. Two, church needs young adults. Three, there aren't many young adults. And we got serious about that, and God blessed our efforts so that the numbers of young adults have doubled in those, in those years. They're not only attending and worshiping, they are participating, they're in, on committees, they are chairs of committees, they are deacons, they are going on mission trips, they're helping build a living Christmas tree structure. It's, just, it's a vibrant young adult 
ministry. God has blessed that effort so that now it's a contagious group of people. Baptisms. Last in that church year from October 1 of 22 through September 30 of 23, there were 23 people who were baptized, and I'm grateful for every one of them. But folks, for a church our size, we should have seen those baptismal waters stirred far more often than 23 times. I'm grateful for every one of them, but that's not enough. I know there are things that we can't control, like free will. You know, people make decisions. We can't force things. But we are going to tackle that uh, this year. We're going to begin with some training and equipping for all of us who might find it hard to share our faith. It is a bit frightening and uncomfortable. We don't want to be obnoxious and turn people off. So we're going to begin by equipping and training. And then there's fresh expressions of church, these new simple forms of church for people highly unlikely to walk into our building based on subcultures or microcultures or networks of people. It might be hikers. It might be bikers. It might be nurses. It might be people in addiction. There are, we're going to do our best to launch some more of these simple, small, new forms of church. And then there are the apartments. Did anybody notice that there are a few apartment buildings going up around Huntsville. Well, we need some missionaries in those apartments. People who live in apartments are more difficult to reach than people who live in single-family dwellings. So we're going to do our best to plant some of you in some of those apartments to be hospitable, to meet people, welcome people, start Bible studies, have gospel conversations with people, and invite them when appropriate to church. We're going to do, uh, we're, we're going to invite you to host gatherings in your homes for TV church and sanctuary worship. You know, you, you don't have to watch it at 10 o'clock or 1030 on Sunday mornings. You can uh, record it. You can watch it on your computer anytime. You can invite people in. All you got to do is provide snacks and a smile. We will provide discussion questions. We do it every week. Would you consider hosting in your home at some point during the week some people that your neighbors or your friends and just watch TV church or sanctuary worship together and and talk about it? We are rebuilding. We are rebuilding, and God is blessing this rebuilding. Travis, I look around and I see some pews that are empty that weren't empty before. It's true. It's true. But because we're still rebuilding. There's something else that I want to talk to you about. I talked to you, uh, talked first about this on February the 22nd, 2015. I was the interim. Then uh, I had begun in August of 14, and remember my job description? I was popping in, popping off, and popping out. No, popping in, popping out, and popping off. That's what I was doing. So that was my job. But I said on February 22nd, I preached a sermon titled, This is Where Racism Comes to Die. And I said, I was preparing you for your future, doing my best for your future and the service and leadership of another pastor. And what I said was, I believe your future must be multi-ethnic. I said, you're going to have to become a more multi-ethnic congregation. I believe that now more than I did then. It's biblical. It's practical. It's beautiful. It's biblical. The first century church was a multi-ethnic church. For example, Antioch, the second church ever out of of which the missionary movement began, was a multi-ethnic church in a city that was deeply divided by ethnicity. 
Colossians, the church in Colossae in Galatia, they, they said, here there's no barbarian or Scythian or Jew or Gentile. We are of different ethnicities, but we are one in Christ Jesus. It's biblical. It's practical. One of these days, somebody's going to walk into a church that's, that, that's all of one color, and they're going to think they got stuck in the past. And one day it'll happen here. The people will walk in, and if they see everybody who is predominantly one color, they're going to think, this church got stuck somewhere. The future of the American church is a multicolored future. So it's biblical, it's practical, and it's beautiful. The Bible in Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 describes something like this, where there's this worship going on around the throne, and it's people of every tribe and tongue, every, the hue of all sorts of hues of skin. And that's a beautiful thing, and we don't have to wait for heaven. Now, I know that there are historical reasons and cultural reasons why some people of color would not come to a predominantly white congregation. I understand that. But I also believe there are lots of people of color who would love to be part of this church if they knew they were welcomed and valued for for worship, for membership, for fellowship, and for leadership. And so, we can't force anything, but we can be intentional. We can make it known, and we can make it true that in this place you are welcome for worship, membership, fellowship, and leadership, regardless of the hue of your skin or the accent of your This is an important moment, I believe with all my heart, in the life of this church. 2020, COVID marched in and, and not only interrupted us, but disrupted us. But God is rebuilding this place. We're still in process. But this is a, this is a really, really, really important moment in the history of this church uh, that began over 200 years ago. I, I love sports. I know a lot of you do. And uh, we, all, we have our favorite teams. And when my team or teams win, I, you know, I get excited. And um, you know what I'll say is, um, after my team wins, I'll say, we won. When actually, there ain't no we in, in that, right? I mean, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't score a touchdown. I didn't make a goal. I didn't, I didn't give a pregame speech. I didn't contribute financially unless an occasional ticket or two, you know, counts. I, I'm an interested bystander to my favorite sports teams. That's about all I am. But I experienced team one night in the middle of the night, almost a year ago. I was down at the Cape, and I sat with a a bunch of NASA folks just across a a body of water that many of you will remember. I don't remember Turtle Creek or Pigeon Creek or Squirrel Creek or something. And, you know, there in the distance was that, that glorious... SLS, lit up, all that 
vapor or smoke or I hope it wasn't smoke, all that stuff coming out from the bottom. And um, about to take off on the first Artemis mission. And um, they were delayed, it was delayed and delayed. And then at 12.45 a.m., you know, that night sky was illumined. By the way, I've got a picture in my office, the official NASA print, big framed thing. I hung my um, lanyard that's over there. Let the people know I was there. They come ask, yeah, I was there. I was there when that happened. <laughs> Man. The night sky was illumined, and you heard the roar of that spectacular launch. And I felt, I felt the power that, that raced across that water. And some of you all been there, and it's old hat to you. It wasn't old hat to me, man. That I'll never for, I will never forget that. But you know what was more impressive to me than, than watching that majestic rocket take off? It was what happened among those people around me. I was sitting with the NASA. I was like a, an intruder in, in the NASA fraternity. I was just sitting there. And when that thing took off, they screamed. They high-fived. They danced. The non-Baptist NASA folks danced, and they... <laughs> They cried. They wept. Because they were not just interested bystanders. They were we. They all had a part in that. It had been delayed. You know, it had been a long time since NASA was on the front page. But they were all part. And that's why it felt different than it does when my team wins. And here's my point. We are we. We are in this together. I love Huntsville and North Alabama. And I love this church. And I believe in this church, and I believe in the future. Now, let's be real careful not to take credit for that which the creator of the universe is doing. We ride on the, the wings of His power and His grace and His power undergird us and empower us, but God blesses those who take seriously in 2023 the rebuilding of His church. And I would not, I'd rather be a part of this we and the rebuilding of this church than anybody I know, anywhere I know, and I am thrilled about the rebuilding. And we're going to sing and invite you to be part of that rebuilding. 477 is our hymn.